Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. Today on the show, we are going to be talking to Rohit Chabe and Joel Stevens about VR hackathons. Rohit and Joel have been instrumental in bringing virtual reality to students and schools in the Kansas City area and beyond. They spearhead something called VROCK, which organizes VR hackathons. So welcome to the show, Rohit and Joel. Thanks, Glad Rick. to be here. Thanks for having yep. us. Happy to be here. So guys, uh, you know, you can decide who wants to go first, but why don't you tell the listeners how you guys started VROCKS? Um, it's, it's a long, long time ago <laughs> that we started VR Rocks. Um, so it's, I think, um, two years exactly from uh, today, I guess. Um, in 2017, uh, we met with a couple of uh, district leaders in and around Kansas City for a number of school districts. And um, they were pretty excited about virtual reality, but um, neither them nor us were able to picture how we can bring this new technology in education and schools. And um, our clear focus, because both of our backgrounds are in software development, um, we do programming on a day-to-day -day basis. So we were focused towards bringing virtual reality from a development perspective. Um, and our goal was that, or is, that students would be building out virtual reality environments. Um, our initial layout or the plan was um, students should, there should be teams of high school students and they should go around school and try to figure out uh, a topic or a subject within their classrooms or their peers or younger kids have difficulty learning and how virtual reality can help in that process. And from Joel and my perspective, we our role was to completely mentor them and guide them through that process and walk them through what, from a VR perspective, can help in bringing their solution forth. Um, as part of the program, we were quite clear about hackathons. Um, both of us love it. Um, we have been part of a number of hackathons, um, three to be exact, I would say. <laughs> um, can, you, can you pause for a second? Just a lot of listeners probably don't even know what a hackathon is. So can you explain to everyone what, what is a hackathon? Uh, yes. Um, hackathon comes from the software development world. Uh, it's pretty commonly used. Hacking, that's the, the notion that comes from hackathon, um, but it's not negative. Um, the idea is that you have a limited time frame and you are given a problem statement and you have to build a solution. The solution doesn't have to be a perfect solution. It is, doesn't mean that the code would be bug-free or it would be perfect and it would match up all the conditions. But the idea is to give a kickstart to a solution to a real-world problem. Um, and the time frame, and there is, with because it's a time frame bound, whether it's 24 hours or a couple of days, um, 
there is a lot of energy to push forth um, an idea into a solution or a prototype to be brought forth. How about you, Joel? What was what's your origin story in all this? Yeah, so, um, a little bit different than Rohit, um, although still a software developer. Um, I've just been a, a VR enthusiast uh, for many years, and um, with the recent resurgence in VR with Oculus and the and the other headsets that have come to the market, um, <clears throat> and then the the tools to build software, uh, VR software, uh, freely available. Uh, it's just, I think, a perfect time. So um, that's we've matched together, uh, Rohit, with a, a passion for education, myself with a passion for VR, um, and we teamed up to see if we could make a difference in education. Joel, are you actually in the school as a teacher slash educator, or what's your, your role there? Uh, I'm a software developer as well, so uh, we both are uh, – eight to five software developers, and then we do this on the side. Perfect. Because I think one of the stumbling blocks, myself included, is as educators, we aren't programmers. And I think that word intimidates many teachers and educators. So I think it's brilliant that people like you are reaching out to people in the classrooms who might not get a jump on this just because they're so intimidated by the uh, programming side. Yeah, we, we really found that was one of the biggest hurdles, uh, just the um, lack of access to those tools, um, just the lack of experience. So uh, that's that was one of our major focuses is to um, pair up with educators who are in the classroom on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, help them help the students uh, through uh, we provide some online tutorials, we come into classrooms, uh, we build out sample applications, and then we work with the students uh, directly, uh, helping them to build applications. So um, yeah, that's been a really successful model. So Rohit, what program or software <coughs> do, you, do you use with the students to build the VR experiences? Um, so as Joel mentioned, um, he has more experience from a VR perspective, and he actually, truly speaking, he is the one who got me hooked into VR also. Um, so from a tools perspective, we were quite clear that we wanted to be focused towards something which the professionals use um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So Unity and Unreal, we started off with Unity uh, because that was where our comfort level was um, and is. Uh, but slowly with the number of mentors that come in within our program and even students who started exploring other programs, um, somehow Unreal also got a lot of traction. And I would say right now teams that, that have participated at the hackathon, they are, there is a 50-50 split where some teams are using Unreal and some are using Unity. I've looked at Unity, and again, coming from uh, chemistry, high school chemistry teacher background, now I'm a design teacher. Uh, I know a tiny bit of programming. It, do you think there'll be a day where Unity has like a training wheels version where you're not really programming, you're dragging and dropping things, you know, similar to maybe building in Minecraft? Absolutely. Um, those, uh, those tools yeah. are maturing every day. 
Um, we see that uh, that coming very shortly. Um, there's uh, both of those tools have extensions for actually building VR in VR, which I think is really exciting. So, uh, from a student's perspective, get kids in a VR environment uh, and let them uh, through drag and drop create scenes and create uh, educational experiences. Uh, so yeah, the the tools continue to uh, drive forward and ease of use, and because they are a little bit a uh, little bit hard to approach, a little bit of a steep learning curve uh, to get in them, um, but that's, that's that barrier is coming down uh, day by day. I want to go back to your most recent hackathon that happened, and if one of you can just tell me what was the topic that the kids had to try and develop a solution for. Sure. Um, so we had a fourth hackathon in April, um, May first week of this year, and is there an echo? Or is is it just me? I think it's just you. Okay. Um, so uh, we had a fourth hackathon this July. Uh, uh, sorry, this May, the first week of May, and the topic of the, the hackathon was um, we wanted to incorporate storytelling. And since VR is such a visual medium, we incorporated a topic where the teams have to develop a story or present a story in VR um, or story or a film using VR as a medium. And they have to explain that out um, with the story should be somehow related with Kansas City again because that would relate something with the audience and that that was the core topic we had um, a local public radio station come in to help out the kids from a storytelling perspective um, because within that short duration of three days um, there is not a whole lot you the teams could do from building out um, a film or a 30 seconds film or a minute and a half, but they can definitely present a storyline and the audience would be able to capture on that storyline. Um, so that that was the goal. They had to do show a 30 second clip of whatever they are going to build out and then walk through their storyline. So it was pretty interesting. There were teams that did um, various things. I think some of them were very universal topics. Uh, climate change. Um, there was bullying at school, so that the kids they they took 360 degree cameras and created their own uh, film about bullying in school and how how it affects and all that stuff. So um, it was quite interesting. Joel, what else was there? Um, I'm just uh, we had uh, Lewis and Clark. So uh, Lewis oh, and yes. Clark were the early American explorers that uh, came through the Kansas City area. So one of the teams did a uh, 360, or I'm sorry, it was a Unity-based uh, VR experience of uh, a part of their their uh, exploration. So one of the one of the things that I'm sure the kids or the students started to realize in trying to tell a narrative or a story in VR is you don't necessarily have the control of the audience. And, and so you have to start to think of cues to keep their control. Cause in VR, you can look around, 
And in a normal storytelling, in a in a, a movie, you control sort of in a linear way where the audience is looking. So did the kids have time in the three days to be able to incorporate uh, tips and tricks to keep the attention of the people in the story with haptics or audio clues? Audio was a big piece. Um, and that, that so uh, on, on Saturday, so we gave out the problem statement on Friday um, where the teams were supposed to work at their schools um, to come up with the solution. And Saturday morning is when everybody comes together in, at a central location where students, teams, mentors, um, and educators all are there um, to work through the hackathon. So that's where we had the uh, the pros come in and they kind of hammered through that, okay, you have this storyline, but music or audio piece is so valuable that you can add so many layers to your storyline. And I think they, they gave the presentation around 10 o'clock in the morning. And after that, everybody was run, because I think before that, nobody thought about that much about audio. And mm-hmm. after that, all the teams were like, we need to get an audio piece. We need to get an audio piece. And they all did a very good job with audio, adding so much effect to their um, clips or just their trailer, which was just 30 seconds. But um, that that was a lot of value um, from a mentoring perspective. Are haptics really hard, Joel, for this level of kids to incorporate into their VR? Uh, we've um, used a couple of tools that are provided by some third parties to to build in haptics. So um, there's a tool called VRTK that uh, builds uh, that allows you to build haptics and um, interactions uh, fairly easily in a more of a drag and drop manner. Uh, so yeah, a lot of teams are, use that. Um, so I'm trying to think of uh, in this particular one. Um, I think the hackathon before that, we had probably more of a, a haptic uh, experience with uh, it was around um, trades and the trades and skills around um, construction. construction. And so there were power tools and um, cranes and those kinds of things. So any of those controls, uh, we would build haptics in um, for that piece of it. So. So, yeah, we try to give them experience on all those. Uh, Of the two topics you guys have mentioned, so just kind of to review for listeners, the hackathon you did the year before that was, you know, to design a solution that gets people to learn construction or trades, whereas the one most previously uh, in May was more related to the movie industry. Of those two hackathon topics, which one did you see higher quality VR experiences from the students? I think both both of them. I would. I mean, so far we have seen with each of the hackathon students surprise us at different levels. Um, so with with the construction industry one, um, I think we we had a general idea about. Um, what are the trades and they might focus on a particular trade and those kind of things. Uh, but I think the, the part which not just surprised us, but um, the the judges also was 
they were able to achieve quite a lot uh, within that spare within that period of three days um, and just assuming uh, day and a half is when they actually do programming work um, like some of the, the the top three of the projects were like in in some sense complete um, I mean they 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 could easily be ported up uh, as an app um, for somebody to download I mean of course they needed polishing and uh, more quality testing to it but they were quite good in that sense um, from the storytelling perspective the I think the biggest thing, as I already mentioned, was um, the the audio piece, and then the variety of topics that came um, by the the kids. Um, because again, storytelling can be like I mean, any topic can get very interesting if the storytelling is done right. Um, so the the kids, I think they, they as they brought in universal topics, but they also put in some of the local topics in. Um, so it was just a nice mix. Um, so teachers are often busy folk like you guys in industry. And one of the things that sort of they think about in their mind is what's, what's the match to my curriculum? The obvious one is if students were to participate in hackathons, they're going to learn programming skills. That's kind of a no-brainer. But what are some other soft skills that students learn by doing these VR hackathons? Joel? I think, um, I mean, just probably the biggest one is teamwork uh, and working under a time pressure. Um, We have, as you mentioned, where programming is kind of the the core of it since we're coming at it from a programming perspective. So uh, we, we get kids that are already ready to learn um, and uh, maybe already have some skills or aptitude in programming, uh, but have not necessarily worked on teams. Um, So that is one of the biggest things we see, just them uh, blossoming over the weekend. Um, And then throughout, they build teams and then there are repeat uh, repeat teams that come back uh, for hackathon after hackathon. And um, I think that's the the biggest thing that I've seen. Rohit, what would you add? Uh, yeah, truly speaking, that that is the core. I mean, I think one of the things which we, when we talk to, um, and kind of we are giving Greg some inside information related with how the hackathon team work, um, is we, we try to explain that when you're having a hackathon team, having five programmers on that team is not going to be helpful. Um, because everybody might be just jumping on the same thing or trying to work on the same thing. You have to have a mix of people in. You need to have somebody who's going to make sure there are going to be deliverables done. Um, There has to be, we have to have one version of it that can be used as part of your demo piece. So you need to have a program that can be run or executed from a common machine, um, not from your local machine. So again, that, that needs to be there and that is a big piece. Um, then also the, the piece that somebody has to present it. And you, for the last three days, the team is all putting together all so many ideas and thoughts and all that stuff. But when the judges see it, they just see that five or 10 minutes presentation and they try to evaluate based on that. So again, somebody needs to filter that out 
and give that information. So that is the mix that that is valuable presentations, um, putting together these ideas and just in general working as a team. Uh, and that's relates to a, a real world scenario where you might not like the person you're working with, but you have a deadline to meet. And if uh, just get the solution out, work, focus on that, that, that would reflect in how you do the final presentation. So. You also, Rohit, when you talked to me earlier before this show, talked about the design cycle or the problem solving cycle. And I really appreciated that because that's quite vogue now in many schools is design thinking, you know, problem solving is becoming a very important tool, kind of like the scientific method that teachers and kids are starting to engage more in. And this is definitely, you know, when you're given a problem, uh, you know, you've got to follow a step-by-step process to get to a good solution, right? Yep. Um, And I think um, with each of the hackathon problem statements, and even when we are working with schools, um, we kind of give the problem statement of the hackathon on a very vague terms uh, because we want to keep it open-ended and let the teams go through that process. And that's the reason day one or Friday is just reserved for the teams to figure out their solution. There is no expectation of them going through a programming or building out their VR experience. Just think about what is the solution you want to present and think the story behind it. That's that's going to be, because if, if that is strong, uh, you will be able to put in the software piece and um, the VR piece to it. But if that, that that is not good, then you would, even on the final presentation day, you would still be struggling about what is our solution that we want to present. I've been doing a, quite a bit of reading on VR recently, and one thing that I've really noticed is how popular or how how much it's growing in business, like Walmart's using it to train employees, and of course, obviously, the gaming industry. Why Why is education so slow to adopt VR, do you think? Joel, you want to take that? I think, uh, yes, I think uh, you hit one um, already, and that's just the experience inside the schools. So there's just not the curriculum out there yet uh, to bring into the classroom. So that was that was first. And the second is just access to the equipment. So um, we really had a tough time. Um, now we started two years ago, and it, so it's it's grown since then. I think equipment's Uh, more readily available in schools, but that's been a challenge for us, just getting our participating schools um, the uh, equipment to participate. How did did the school district jump that hurdle then? (laughs) The very first hackathon that we had in December of 2017, I think other than uh, we had about seven or eight teams um, and I think one or two teams had the equipment for some time. Um, there were three to four teams which just got it like maybe a week before the hackathon. And one or two teams or a, uh, one team I remember where they were using my laptop <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to build out their experience. So again, uh, I mean, I think um, that hurdle was definitely there. 
where some of the teams just weren't were not able to pull it and some because i think we we were able to sell on the idea at different levels right from the the district administrator to the educator and the students uh, the district administrators were able to pull in some resources uh, at the last minute and make sure um, the equipment is there so again that was very helpful and i think the once we did the first one uh, a lot of the, the schools got an idea that um, what what value this can bring and uh, it's not just for the hackathon this can grow and go to other places also. with the new headsets coming kind of we, we would call them middle of the road headsets so you know HTC just put out uh, something called the uh, the Vive Focus I want to say which is untethered right so you're not connected uh, to a computer and then Oculus also has put out something similar uh, are these headsets these middle of the range headsets which don't use higher end computers or graphic cards are they appropriate for a hackathon like this? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've started looking at those as well. Yeah. You know, we started off, uh, with HTC Vive and a couple of our schools started out with, uh, with Oculus. Um, and to a large extent we, st- we're still there. Um, but, um, we've had schools, uh, and mentors actually, um, bringing in some of the untethered, Equipment, and that's uh, uh, I, th- I think that's heading in the right direction. You know, having a, a tethered headset um, that restricts you to an area, you know, that's um, that's a bit cumbersome, and um, so we're anxiously awaiting that that uh, middle of the road market to mature, uh, and so we would move more of our cl- classrooms, more of our uh, teams that in that direction. Is there a lot to consider in Unity or Unreal Engine when you're using these middle-of-the-road headsets that have uh, less capacity for things like frame rate, etc.? Um, certainly, there's uh, with the reduced uh, just re- reduced processing power, um, you have to be careful, um, but you really have to do that anyways. Um, so yeah, there's you know, some, some considerations you have to take into account a little bit less graphic fidelity, um, you know, fewer resources, but in general, um, we've seen, uh, since the, for the hackathons, they're fairly short duration. So, um, all of the experiences are, um, you know, fairly light on resources just because of, of the time crunch. I think, uh, where that would really become an issue is when you're building out, um, bigger solutions and more sophisticated experiences. Uh, so we, we don't really see it as, as too much of a, um, a limiting factor for hackathons, but certainly kids have to be careful um, what kind of assets they're using. So moving to one of our last questions here, uh, and we've kind of alluded to this already, you know, teachers who do listen to this, obviously some are trepidatious or worried that, you know, they can't do this because it's too new. What kind of advice can you give teachers in hopes that the VR in schools grows or even hackathons as it pertains to VR grows? Um, just go for it. Um, that, that, that would be our 
a suggestion like i mean be be open minded to it and um yeah if, uh, our goal would be to support them in whatever they they want any help from a technical perspective or just getting to some level of comfort with it um and that it's it's just have the openness to it and the idea that just buy in with a small group of students and i think within a 6 months period of time you you will either start using more expanded within your classroom or other educators would try to say hey we want to use this maybe we we want to use it for another experience something like that so that is definitely uh, possible and hackathons um, i mean we are completely sold to that idea of having hackathons um, i think how much popular how much experience we see the students or the fun that they have within that 3 day period of time it just adds to our um, uh, gives us a confirmation or consolidation that hackathons are pretty awesome so and the um, so the way we set those up it really doesn't require a lot of technical expertise from the uh, from the teacher um they really need to just facilitate the process uh you know keep the kids focused uh work with the school to to um get get them to the events and and have some time either during class or or after in a computer club or something to to get the kids together um with the mentors that we bring on that's where we um that's where we bring the the expertise um and the these tools there's so many different tutorials available out there uh and the kids are already excited about it when we go in and say we're going to uh, be using a, the tool that Fortnite was built in for example uh, Unreal Engine i mean you know that the the kids get excited about it we give them some some hints on where to look online we we give them some online tutorials and the kids really run with it so some of the our teachers who were really trepidatious at first have become some of our biggest uh biggest allies uh and really they've stayed in that facilitator role and um just help the kids find resources and you you just be amazed at, at how quickly the they just take it and run Joel I think you hit the nail on the head in that you know earlier on in teaching it was so important to gain credibility to be the expert in front of students but nowadays you know things have changed and you can look things up on the internet and teachers need to be more comfortable with the idea or notion as being sort of a guide on the side and so uh, i appreciate that you guys you guys mention that because kids will take the training wheels off so to speak themselves and start riding the bike without our help and we just need to get them on the bike so to speak absolutely yeah and and we do that as well cuz we we go to hackathons and kids will come up and ask to, for a particular how to solve a particular problem and you know we're software developers we do it uh, do it every day and we have to tell them well I don't know let's go look that up so um so we even um you know we'll we'll say that as well and i th- i think uh, our mentors our teachers and us really set that kind of environment where uh you know that's it's very safe and very ex- experimental and you know you can uh, you can try and fail and that and that's okay so I think that's the that's the key to it. Just to wrap things up then, how can listeners get a hold of you guys either 
as it pertains to hackathons or VR in general? Um, so, I mean, the best way of communication is through through our website, vrokcs.org, um, or we are on Twitter. We we can be reached through those platforms, um, and we are more than happy to help any of the educators or any of your listeners who want to jump into VR or they want to participate in a hackathon. We'll we'll make arrangements for that. So. Yeah, and if they want to talk to some of our educators who are in the program, I, I think that uh, we've set up a few of those sessions just for educators to talk to each other, and and those are really really helpful, I think, for them. So. Uh, we certainly facilitate that as well. Perfect. And I'll put the, the link to that in the show notes. Listen, guys, hang on afterwards. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and I'm excited that you guys are starting to carve a niche in the VR and education world. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Thanks for having us. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Greg.